impressions were around long before the internet. Publishers and advertisers built an entire economy to buy impressions, which then evolved into a foundational unit of marketing measurement. Cost per impression, or CPI, is the cost of expense incurred for each potential customer who views your content. But along the way, there was some fuzzy math, as former President Bush would say. I can't let the man continue with fuzzy math. In a lockbox. Fuzzy math. And then the math got fuzzier. Someone created pass-along rates, inflating the number of impressions two times or three times based on the average sharing rates for that media outlet. And then another spin doctor created generic multipliers ranging from two times to ten times for all media impression counts. And today, with social media and digital advertising, it's impressions on steroids. Today, on Stories and Strategies, the false impressions of online advertising. My name is Doug Downs. My guest this episode is Doug Lacombe of Communicado Inc. in Calgary. Hello, Doug. Hello, Doug, and welcome to the All Doug Show. Yes, Doug and Doug. Doug is that Doug, not this Doug, is a senior digital marketing and PR professional with 30 years experience in media, web publishing, software publishing systems, telecom, and newswire services. He has a BA in psychology and an MBA from the University of Saskatchewan. So, Doug, let's first define some terms off the top. What are pass-along rates and what are generic multipliers? Great, uh, great question. I think um, uh, this takes me back to my, my old print, my newspaper days back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and um, uh, even then, and certainly in the decades prior, there was some kind of um, trickery, I'd say, around the numbers. Uh, so, for example, there was a study, and I believe, or at least uh, urban legend has it, that that study was conducted sometime in the in the 1950s with probably questionable methodology, that there were two and a half readers per copy of some weekly newspaper, and I'm sure they probably surveyed like four people. So anyway, <laughs> for the rest of uh, our lives, the entire industry decided that two and a half readers per copy must be good, and mostly that was because it gave bigger numbers to sell advertising against. And so, you know, there's there's been a lot of this sort of uh, puffery, this this uh, expansion of numbers and, and sleight of hand. And now in the digital age, in the last five to say 10 years, uh, we've uh, we've seen uh, circumstances where uh, newspaper chains, uh, who shall remain unnamed, um, have blended their online readership with their print readership and then set their print ad rates against that combined uh, audience or really hypothetical audience. And so it's as if you told a Ford dealer, hey, uh, your Ford F-150 ad will reach, you know, a gazillion people when in fact it's a fraction of a gazillion because there's no circumstance where your ad reaches everybody in print and everybody in digital as well. So this is not new, this playing with the numbers, and it's all to do with uh, the rates that you charge for advertising and ultimately money, just like a lot of things. Huh. Well, I remember the first time that I had authority for an advertising budget. I was in charge of a budget that was annually just under a million dollars, and I quickly realized that I liked digital 
advertising better because it gave me hard numbers for how many people had seen my content. Real, provable ROI, right? As a professional communicator, excited me. Impressions made an impression. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, certainly that was the initial response, I think, to digital advertising. So you were you were in good company there. But as it's turned out, um, you know, uh, we're having a sense of deja vu in the advertising business because uh, there's uh, elements of click fraud. There's elements of bot farms that are basically a component of click fraud. And effectively our impressions really impressions and it, it I always go back to the old billboard model where you know if somebody's trying to sell me a billboard and they say 10,000 cars go by on McLeod every single day by mm -hmm. past this billboard that's great thanks for the irrelevant info because of those 10,000 I'm gonna say 9,999 are tuning the radio or fighting with the kids or dumping Tim Hortons in their lap or God knows what else and uh, so the impressions model in and of itself is is a flawed model and it, huh. it, it can only be relied upon as I think a gateway to other more reliable metrics. Okay, so why don't we just replace this metric of impressions with that single metric, the one that we find that works? Boy, that's the holy grail people have been looking for for decades, uh, you know, whether it's uh, click-through rates or uh, conversion rates or, or this or that. But, you know, as we've seen from the old sales funnels or customer funnels and more recently McKinsey's customer journey stuff, um, you know, you're, you're really looking at a complex set of things. Like we used to say when I sold print ads, um, you know, how did somebody come to your tire shop to buy ads? And back in those days, you'd have a pad of paper and you'd do the, you know, like the how many days have you been in, in this prison kind of the strokes on the with the pencil. So it's like, okay, so many came from the yellow pages, so many came from a friend sent them so many. But the reality of how we all research products and and do things is is multi-point attribution so my cousin told me then I saw an ad then I heard an ad on the radio and then I saw this banner on uh, you know some website uh, or an ad in Facebook and I clicked it and then that that concluded the purchase but the last the last stop of attribution is not in fact that meaningful it's much more complex than that and so really impressions are the top of funnel. Uh, I find this the easiest way to explain it uh, versus the customer journey. Uh, so, so for the point of illustration, uh, impressions are the top of the funnel. You can't convince anybody of anything if they don't see it, but you have to recognize that there's a ton of leakage in impressions and that the goal of impressions is to take them to the next step in a sort of a nurturing, you know, funnel type uh, arrangement where you say, okay, now I'm going to get my pitch in front of you. And, you know, now I'm going to make you feel better about my company or my product or whatever I have to say. And then, and then as you narrow down, you're sort of leaking in that, that bucket of leads that came from the impressions at each stage. And then your goal becomes, okay, I'm just going to uh, try and stop the, the leaking. And so get better leads at the, or get better input at the top of the funnel through the impressions and then get them qualified sooner and so that fewer people fall off the cliff as you go down through the funnel. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, you have to maintain 
your business sense. And the business sense is, did this result in more sales or if you're a politician, more votes or, uh, and so keeping those real world outcomes um, in mind and recognizing this as a breadcrumb trail to the real world outcome, uh, I think is the most sensible way. And that's why a single metric won't work. Okay, and you and I were trying to think of, of a metaphor and we, we came to this point. The 1984 movie, This is Spinal Tap, distributed by Embassy Pictures. That left an impression on both of us, anyone of a certain age. In this scene, Nigel, played by Christopher Guest, is explaining to documentarian Marty, played by Rob Reiner, that part of the band's success is custom-made amplifiers with volume knobs that go up to 11. This is a top to uh, you know, what we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah. the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board, oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not 10. You see, most, most blokes, you know, be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? I'll put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. <laughs> Oh man, that is such a classic. You know, and I, in this context, I think of Rob Reiner as the poor advertiser trying to figure out what kind of impressions he's buying and Nigel as the ad sales guy. Yeah, well, no our kidding. impressions go to 11. And, uh, you know, clearly that's, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous that, uh, you know, it, it so many agencies and so many platforms are like, look at all the impressions we sold you. And banner blindness and uh, our capacity to ignore ads. In fact, sometimes to be hostile to them uh, in the digital realm, our capacity to use plugins and so on to specifically prohibit ads. Uh, Apple's move on Safari on the iPhone to block ads. All of these things are making, you know, uh, the 11 argument that, oh, it's all going to 11. But in fact, really, it's probably more like five. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so, uh, I, I, but yeah, that, that is so uh, numbers. Uh, what's the old Mark Twain uh, saying? Lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> Speaking of statistics, um, there is neuroscience study showing people of all ages, kids to understand remember and take action on information they read in print as opposed to digital, yet so many are flocking to digital commentary and digital advertising. Are we overdoing it here? In some sense, I think we are. Uh, first of all, as a, as a communicator, um, I think it's our duty to be uh, respectful of the media mix. So uh, I often, in layperson's terms, I'll often say, look, if what it's going to take is a hard hat sticker and a poster in the lunchroom, then do that and don't buy a friggin' Facebook ad, you know? And, and so we, as humans, we all get caught up in the shiny thing and we get convinced about the, ooh, look at the impressions and all that. But the fact of the matter is, try some different mediums, try a mix, figure out which ones suck and which ones work and actually get your audience to do, learn, say, or act in the 
the way that you want and then um, you know and and then go with that and and be agnostic but you know I think there's a lot to be said for a a thoughtful media mix that has been thoroughly tested and um, that's where you try and bring scientific marketing into it as opposed to you know the flavor of the day okay uh, let's put theory into practice um, mm. I have invented blue widgets they don't do anything differently from regular widgets that you're accustomed to, but they're blue. So they cost about 25% more. I believe there is a market for this. And I've come to you at Communicado as a potential new client. I'm measuring you up for size first, mm -hmm. asking you to build my advertising and marketing campaign. Walk mm -hmm. me through this. Yeah, well, I think this is interesting to me because it actually blends two areas that I've worked in, which is uh, product marketing, which is essentially, does anybody want to buy this and do they know they want to buy it and will they buy it? Um, and then, you know, promotional marketing, which is just, hey, we got a thing, come buy it. Honestly, with a new client, I would start with, does anybody really actually want to buy this thing? Because nine out of 10 people have not done the product marketing homework or the research. And uh, I had a friend who uh, made a living at uh, product feasibility and product launch strategies. And, uh, and <laughs> she used to call uh, uh, entrepreneurs ideas rat babies that, you know, yeah, sure, there's going to be one in 100 of the rat babies that's cute. But, you know, 99 of the rat babies are freaking rat babies and uh, nobody <laughs> wants it. And... Uh, so I always think of rat babies in this scenario. But uh, so first of all, do you have a rat baby? Uh, if you don't, uh, then fine. Maybe you got the cute one and people actually want it. And, and that's great. Then you got to go through the basics of, uh, okay, presumably in your product marketing plan and your launch plan, you identified a target market, right? If you're selling Apple watches, which are sort of a, you know, faux luxury item as opposed to say a Rolex which is a real luxury item uh, then we know who we're after we know you know what they value what their hot buttons are uh, and so we used a, a little acronym uh, that uh, Forrester Research started using about a decade ago the post model which is simple it's people objectives strategy and technology so who are you after? What do you want them to do? How are you going to get them to do it? And then what platforms or media mix would um, actually support that? So we would we would go through that. Uh, we'd go, who, okay, who are you after? And if the answer is that they're mostly on LinkedIn or they're mostly reading the Globe and Mail or they're mostly, uh, I don't know, responding to direct mail in their post box because you know, snail mail is so rare now that it actually started to work again, um, that those those decisions get built into the launch and then from there the tactics and the creative can be you know um, built out and and so the ultimate measurement for a consumer product is you know uh, uptake right sales that's kind of the broad strokes um, and uh, you know as I said you're building a breadcrumb trail so you know the first thing is like you know look at Shaw um, just launched a mobile phone service here in the last week uh, in uh, Alberta and BC, I guess, or points west somewhere. Um, and uh, it really caught my attention because of my background. But uh, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, oh, look at that. They've bundled it in with their, their internet. So they've got a base of users that basically is going to increase their ARPU, their average revenue per user on their internet side because it's a bundled subscription. Uh, you know, it's clear where it works, where it doesn't. It's got all the roaming and all the things so it works elsewhere. But, you know, essentially it's a Western Canadian phone offering. Um, 
and you know it, it it was pretty clear this is like if you've already got um uh internet with us you should definitely get this phone and if you don't you should get the bundle which is essentially fortifying their core uh you know pipe uh business which uh you know i think we've seen in their in their um various annual reports and so on statements to the effect of they don't want to just be the dumb pipe so adding value added services on top of that pipe is a really smart move for retention but also for arpu and so on and so that that really struck me as a great example of this where um you know that launch took into consideration who are we after and had a message for current subscribers of internet and um you know non-subscribers that they might lure over which would help their core business so that's you know those are the basics of how i would think about it and then you know you get into keyword research and all this stuff for good headlines and snappy calls to action and all the tactical stuff hey, so market research and the post model but how do i measure to see if the ad campaign that you put me on has actually worked. Sales, that's it, just sales? Maybe no. I was gonna sell that many anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, depending on the medium, so first of all, are people, uh, I, I use a little acronym in, in my head, which uh, is, is really just my little way of organizing this thinking, but racer. And so it's reach, audience, um, content, are they consuming the content, engagement, and results. So results would be sales. But the gateway, the breadcrumb trail to all the uh, to the sales is: Did they see my Facebook ad? Did they read my blog post? Did they watch my video on YouTube? Did they cut out the coupon in the newspaper and then come and uh, you know redeem that somehow? Did uh, I mean the oldest trick in the book is you know operators are standing by mention offer six seven four two or ask for operator nine and it's like okay operator nine was on ABC and operator ten was on a you know NBC or whatever so so all of these things are really just the equivalent of you know my earlier print example of where we tell the the tire shop to say look keep a notepad by the phone and you know make a little mark every time somebody says they came from the radio ad or the yellow pages or whatever so so all of those you know whatever your media mix is your your next step is to figure out which mediums are working and which set of creative is working and then basically kill the losers and keep the winners Doug, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Great chatting with you as always. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Doug Lacombe, you can email him at Doug at communicato, double M, double T, dot com. We're hoping you choose to rate and review this podcast. That helps make it more discoverable on the directory that you're listening on. I want to thank Becky, who left a review on Apple Podcasts. She says, take a listen, communicators. I like this podcast for its relevant topics and the flow of conversation with guests. Highly recommend. Guests like Doug, of course. Becky, thank you so much. Seems we've made a good impression. <laughs> well, and Becky just took a breadcrumb, and we like that. Thanks, Becky. Appreciate the snack. <laughs> and if you liked what you heard, would you do us a favor and recommend this podcast to one friend? And if you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, you can express yourself by sending us an email at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.